All right, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Movies and Brews podcast, where we talk movies and we drink some brews. I'm Jordan, and staring through the screen here is Daniel. The not fat man, but not the skinny man. The medium-sized man. Maybe the little shit. I don't know. <laughs> Spoiled little shit that gets cold for Christmas. Yeah, fuck that kid. <laughs> anyway, so today we are talking a brand new 2020 film, <laughs> Fat Man, starring a Mel Gibson as the fat man himself, Santa Claus. Fun episode ahead. We've got lots of a uh, couple new films to talk about, a couple old ones. Looking forward to it. So everybody, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and who would have thought the North Pole was actually in Alaska? I think in Canada. Yeah, that's what I thought, but then there's a welcome to Alaska sign that somebody passes. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Cheers! Cheers! Uh, You hear that, Daniel? Yeah, what do you have? That's the sound of a brand new Fort George called Magnetic Fields. Ooh. It's oh, a very cool. citrusy, juicy IPA. It's pretty good. Where'd you get it from? Just Freddy's. Hmm. I didn't see it last time I was there. Yeah, brand new one on the shelf. Got a four-pack of it. Nice, nice. Yeah, had one last night. I like it. Well, I've got a new IPA for me, at least. The Breakside Starstruck Modern West Coast IPA. Whatever that means. It's pretty That's good. The, I like it. Is that the one where they got together with Ecliptic? Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, it took me a couple tries to kind of acquire taste, I guess, for me. But I like it now. Cool. Yeah, I dig it. Okay, well. Try one. He really liked it, too. Fun episode ahead. I've got, yeah, fun stuff to talk about. New movies, old movies. And, yeah, it sounds like we got a couple exciting things going on in movie news world. Why don't we jump into that, Daniel? Take it away! Uh, you haven't done your butt-da-da entrance in a while. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I don't even remember. What do I do? Was that it? Today in movie. Yeah. Today in movie news. Yeah, I don't even remember what I did. The audience, okay. they've been writing us and they missed that. All right. Well, the first thing we got is like some of the biggest news is that Warner Brothers announced that HBO Max will premiere every Warner Brothers movie same day as its theater release in 2021 which is fucking huge which i mean what a way to get subscribers for hbo max that's what i'm sure that's what they're trying to do but also i didn't more came out about this since i text you but apparently like they didn't even really tell anybody because like the some like people are filing lawsuits against them really i know chris nolan is not happy about this decision well, like some of it, they were talking about how like actors' contracts and stuff are tied to box office sales. You know, like I think one of them was said like Gal Gadot gets is going to be paid ten million dollars if it hits a certain amount of, you know, box office. But then they fear like you know stuff like you know obviously same day and date a lot of people won't pay to go see it at a movie theater. So they're like talking about how they possibly might have to buy actors out of those contracts. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty interesting time we're living in right now. And just because what do you do? Like, we need to 
make movies. We want to show these movies off, but we got to make the money back. The whole part of the whole point of making all this, well, the point of making this is we want to make a profit too, so we can continue right. to make stuff. It's like, what do you do? <laughs> and HBO, I mean, HBO is like, yes, this is a good way to get people subscribed to our platform. Yeah. So I don't know. So we'll see kind of where that goes because people are fighting them tooth and nail. Which real quick, HBO, if you're listening, can you please uh, make some improvements on your app to where if I get out of the app, I can still have the remote control settings on the top of my screen, you know, when I'm streaming something to the TV, instead of always having to be in the app itself to do all that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Just the little things. But yeah, so that's pretty cool. I mean, like, and some of the stuff slated for 2021 includes the new Suicide Squad movie. The new Space Jam, Matrix 4, and Dune. I think those are the biggest ones. See, it's, I want to see these all for the first time in theaters, though. I mean, not, not so much Space Jam. I can watch that at home. Yeah. I don't want to yeah, be in a theater full of kids for that one. Of, all, of the whole list, I'm like, yeah, Suicide Squad, I guess I would want to see in theaters. But if anything, if I had to pick one, Dune would be the one to see in theaters, I think. Yes. Well... It was it Warner Brothers that was doing Kong versus Godzilla, or was that Universal? I think that was Universal, but it might be because I feel like that's Universal Monsters. But they apparently that had also said that they were going to premiere that on a streaming platform. I think HB or uh, Warner Brothers is going to premiere that on their okay. platform too at some point and there that was also one of the other controversies because when they all decided this i guess universal was in talks with uh netflix for them to buy the rights to stream kong versus godzilla so it sounded like that was going to go to a streaming service no matter what gosh that's another one though i want to see them kick the crap out of each other on the big screen for the first time dude i know i know me too and I listed off the big movies. Like, there's a, a lot more, but a lot of them are just like, okay, these sound just like movies that I wouldn't be going to see myself. And I don't really remember what they are, but I listed the big ones. Yeah, it's so, it, it's interesting. It's, I, a lot of it, we're just kind of, I don't know, just throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks, seeing what works. Yeah. And then in HBO news, they also, apparently the Zack Snyder's Justice League will be coming earlier than people anticipated it's supposed to come out in the next few months they said so we're looking at i mean like next few months like it's december now so we're looking at like real early 2021 okay i thought we were for looking for a december release service. for that like i thought they were putting that out around christmas no no they said it was always announced for 2021 but they never said when but now you know they say it's going to be within the next few months so it's okay. going to be i mean i can wait there's plenty of stuff to catch up on i can wait <laughs> yeah so in other news, in streaming news, we have Kenobi is going to start shooting next month in January, which is two months ahead of schedule. Woo-hoo. So it should be premiering in either late 2021 or early 2022. Okay. So it's possible like around the same time as season three of The Mandalorian comes out, Kenobi will be coming out. Loving this new season. But- Although personally, I would like him to stagger. It's like, okay, after Mandalorian ends, it's like, oh, Kenobi's there, so I can just watch that for a few months. Yeah. Preferably. Yeah, I think that's how I'd like it too. But, and then, 
And the last bit of news, which Jordan, you text me about, and I had seen it, I had already written it down, but Alfred Molina, who plays Doc Ock in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, well, Spider-Man 2, uh, is set to reprise his role as Doc Ock in the Tom Holland Spider-Man 3. Heck which yeah. is further, further cements that they're going to try and do a live-action Spider-Verse because we've got Doc Ock from the Sam Raimi movies confirmed. Jamie Foxx reprising Electro from the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Really? Yeah, he's going to be in there too. Interesting. So... I mean, and then we have Tom Holland and possibly Craven the Hunter, but we already have, I mean, we're probably looking at a Sinister Six movie coming up, which I knew was originally the plan for Spider-Man 3, or at least some spin-off. Well, you get some, I want to see, uh, who, who'd be a good bad guy that we haven't seen yet? I would love to see, I mean, they're, they're rumor okay. that Craven the Hunter is going to be in the third one, and I would really like to see Craven because he was such a good antagonist to Spider-Man in the animated series from the 90s yeah no he really was i would want mine a uh some kind of uh sylvester smythe type character like elon musk with spider slayers i mean that would be cool like i said like i'm I'm actually pretty excited because i mean for these the tom holland movies they both pulled off two characters both times that i thought like there's no way that's gonna work in live action like the vulture too cheesy but they made it look not cheesy, oh, you know? Yeah. Well, then you got Michael Keaton. Hell yeah. Yeah, Michael Keaton. I know. He was fucking great. And then Mysterio. That one's, I'm like, dude, that's like an impossible character to put on live action. And they found out, found a super clever way to pull it off. And it just works. And it, I loved that. Mysterio, like, like I said, Mysterio is one of the coolest villains, I think, in Spider-Man's Rogue's Gallery. And the fact that they actually pulled it off in live action blew my mind i would love if they got vincent uh i say d dian onofrio the guy that plays wilson fisk in the daredevil series i would love if he came back and played wilson fisk in these movies see that would be cool too. he was great in that role but uh to get alfred malina malina malinabo whatever back as doc ock hell to the air i mean i still want i want sam raymond to come back and direct some stuff I know we got him. Yeah, and sounds are, like confirmed uh, for Doctor Strange too, which I'm looking forward to that. But oh, and Doctor Strange is supposed to be in make at least a brief cameo in Spider-Man Three. Okay, I mean this this could be pretty good. I thought Sp- Spider-Man Two to this day is still one of my favorite superhero movies ever. I love it. I mean, I th- think it holds up pretty well. But I'd also there's also rumors that the Hobgoblin is going to make an appearance. That'd be cool. So there's a lot of stuff flying around, and they haven't even confirmed like the other Spider-Man, but they've confirmed the villains from the other Spider-Man movies, so I feel like it's all but confirmed that we're going to see Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire along with Tom Holland in the next Spider-Man movie. That's so cool. Maguire, yeah, what's, what's Maguire been up to lately? I have no idea. I've not heard of him in forever. Oh, real quick, before I forget something. So Daniel kept giving me a bad time last week for uh, putting a two in front of Gremlins 2, the new batch, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, got something to show you here, Daniel. Does it say Gremlins 2, the Gremlins new batch? Gremlins 2, the new batch. Uh, yes, I'm showing Daniel IMDB page right here. There is a two after Gremlins. Uh-huh. Well, Jordan, I will admit when I'm wrong, and I'm wrong. Congratulations. You got me. Woohoo! 
<laughs> I get just got got. Just wanted to share that with you. Well, uh, any other big news stories? I mean, that's some good stuff, though. I mean, as much as I want to see these Warner Brother movies in theaters, maybe HBO downstairs on our TV is just there is nothing wrong with more options. Yeah, I I agree. I just want these to you know somehow make a profit so they can keep coming out if they're good. Yeah, I mean the biggest worry is like especially something like Doom that's huge budget that if it degrades the possibility of them making the rest of the movies. Right. If they're not making enough money back. And oh gosh, I want to see Top I do not want to see Top Gun 2 for the first time on a TV at my house. I want to see that in theaters for the first time. We have surround sound but not like good theater surround sound. No. So we'll see. Yeah, that's all I have for movie news. Well, that's exciting stuff for uh, Spider-Man 3, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm even more excited. I've been dying to watch the second one again. I just haven't haven't found the time. Yeah, I haven't been watching any. I've actually been craving some Marvel lately a little bit. Like, I thought about watching the first Iron Man or something again, like going back towards the beginning and watching something older. Yeah, yeah, I've been craving some superhero. I mean, they're just so fun, and especially now, and especially during the holidays, like they're very comforting. They're just well, kind of like a comfort movie. I, like, I think oh. if anything, I'm craving just some superhero stuff. Maybe not necessarily Marvel. Like, I'd actually like to go back and watch at least the first two Blade movies. Yeah, that'd be a hell of fun to watch. Same Raimi Spider-Man movies would be fun. Maybe early X-Men. So yeah, so I'm craving that. Not necessarily Marvel, but just superhero stuff in general. Again, I've kind of taken a long break. Yeah, definitely gonna be watching wonder woman here pretty soon before the second one hits hbo this month so i'm right there with you all right well shall we move on and talk our next segment here other things we saw this week let's do it daniel how many do you have i have quite a few (laughs) well i have one or two all right well i'll go first so i'm not even going to talk about it somehow yeah i saw a bunch of stuff this last week i'm not going to talk about it all let me think here what was your what were your three favorites three favorites that's what i'm looking I mean, at you here. can still name i'm, I'm going to talk about four two or two of them will kind of go together but i'm going to talk about four one thing i saw speaking of wesley snipes is for the first time ever i saw a demolition man this last week that's Sylvester Stallone too, right? Yeah. For so whatever reason, I have not seen that movie ever. Not sure why. We'll save that one for another time, though. I mean, I wouldn't mind if we did old action, like 90s movies. I did a pair of those reviewing that one. But I will That'd say, though, it was fun. And I really enjoyed Wesley Snipes' character in it. Nice. Yeah, I've always heard good things about that one. But we'll, we'll save that one for another time. So I guess the uh, first thing I'm going to talk about is... I saw the Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch movie for the first time. The one from 2018. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and I gotta say, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, they go a different route. A, not like a complete different route, but they do some things differently that they do in the original cartoon or the Jim Carrey version. You know, just kind of freshened it up a little bit here. But otherwise, it's the same premise. Hey, I'm a Grinch, and I'm going to steal the Who's Christmas. I'm going to say probably one of the things I love most about this movie was just the design of Whoville and just the animation was just so sharp. Everything from snow to just, again, the design of the Whoville and just their town. Everything was just so good in the animation department. 
Nice. Yeah, because that was made by Illumination too. Yes. Yeah. So I wouldn't have expected it to be as sharp as you say. I guess. Uh, I think. I mean, I've seen only the first two Despicable Me's. I mean, their their animation's getting better. Are they this? Did they do the Peanut movie? Yes, they did. Okay. They. I mean. So I, I think other than the first Despicable Me, I think they have a pretty good history now. Pretty good animation. I mean, I thought Despicable Me's animation was good. The Peanuts had some really good animation in it. Okay, and they also have the rights, and they're in the process of making a Super Mario movie. Oh, that'd be fun. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it, though. Um, Benner Cumberbatch, just the voice of the Grinch, he was fine. Uh, it was just fun watching him and Max and just every, all their interactions. Cindy Lou Who, of course. Uh, but yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, they do different things, like when he's stealing things from everybody's houses, they go about new ways of doing that, which is fun to kind of you know keep it fresh. Nice. Especially with animation, like especially like with Dr. Seuss stories. I think animation, while the live action cringe I think still is pretty good, but there's still so much you can do more you can do with animation and it's you know, it just works better. I agree. Like I did like the Jim Carrey one, but then they tried to do it with the cat in the hat and I thought that was just terrible. Oh man, that movie fucking that's nightmare fuel. Terrible movie. But then they did Horton with a Who or Horton Here's a Who with animation, and it was great. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a real long time. Yeah, it's been a while for me. But yeah, anyway, I enjoy this quite a bit. Uh, my only complaint is they didn't have the original uh, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch play anywhere in the movie. So a little oh. disappointed, not even at the end credits. So a little disappointed with that. Otherwise, pretty solid, I'd say. Nice. Nice new take on the classic story. Nice. Maybe I will check that out. I think yeah, it's I think on it's, Netflix. It's streaming on Netflix or... right now, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So check it out. Nice, nice. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. So I watched a holiday movie too. Last night, Shal and I sat down because one of her favorite movies to watch is um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Nice. nice. And she kind of like is our sister in that aspect. She loves that movie. Apparently she watches it every year. And I remember watching it with Kylie and she's like, oh, this movie's great. I love it so much. And I watched it. I'm like, I, I don't really like this movie. Yeah, so I've, like, only seen, I've only seen it once and it well, took me years to watch it. I finally watched it on an airplane and maybe it was a, is that movie supposed to be R or is it just like PG, PG-13? I have no idea. I, 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 I don't know. So I, guess, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't know if it was edited for plane mode. But I just, I saw it and I was like, it's fine. Anyway, continue. It's rated PG, actually. Okay, so maybe it was. This wasn't. is 1989. Because <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like, maybe this is like an R, for, R like a PG-13 cut version of an R-rated film. Because there just seems to be something missing. You know, and, well, yeah, so I watched it again. Because I'm like, well, I'll give it another shot. I mean, it's Shiloh's favorite, like, one of her favorite Christmas movies. And it was her turn to pick. So sat down and watched it and I'm just like, I just don't, it doesn't do anything for me. It's kind of over. Like the only time I laughed is like towards the end when he's like kind of losing his mind and kicks his dead Christmas tree. And like, I don't know, like it, it's hard to explain, but I'm just like, it just, I, I don't have nostalgia for the movie, which is probably part of the issue. This is not one we watched in our family. I think it was one she watched in hers, but other than that, like just watching it, it doesn't really make me laugh, and I just don't. No, All around, not a huge fan. 
Yeah, it's just pretty ridiculous. Like, again, I watched it on an airplane coming back from New York one year, a couple, like, I think it was two years ago. So I'm in my 30s watching it, and just, I'm just like, yeah, okay. I, I guess I didn't get it. I'm like, well, why do people love this? Because there's people that love this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. You, like, you can still buy it every year. You can buy, like, blow-up dolls of, like, the cover. Yeah. Like, the Christmas vacation. You can get those. Which I've, I saw I've these seen at a few of those around town. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it's a huge thing, but it's just, it's not for me. It wasn't something that I have any nostalgia for, so I think that's really the biggest issue. But, yeah, if you like it, good for you. Yeah. Well, so I saw something new. Got a couple of new 2020 movies here to talk about. Uh, one of them, so this is a beloved docuseries from Daniel by Daniel and I. We love these people that made the toys that made us. We love that docuseries. We've talked about that, mm-hmm. as well as the movies that made us that came out last year. Great. Well, they've got a new one, the holiday movies that made us, where they talk about Elf and The Nightmare Before Christmas. I watched nice. them both in this last week, and I loved it. These guys are just, they're great at what they do now. And I think they've really like honed in their craft as far as making a really good, fun documentary because they're short, like averages 45 minutes. They're short to the point and they make it a lot of fun. I don't get bored ever watching these. They do some clever things and they hold your interest. Yeah. You know, I'm obviously like, yeah, those documentaries are like, they're very broad strokes in the stories that they tell, but you get the main beats and they're really entertaining. Well, so, I, think uh, they, I think they also did high score. I think so. It was. I mean, it's the same st- narrator. It seemed like their style, at least the narrator is the same, but it, it still felt like kind of their style. Yeah. That is something I should look up and confirm, but yeah. Uh, so like Elf, I've never seen any behind the scenes for Elf. That's another one beloved by our sister or maybe sisters. I, for one, I think it's a really fun movie. I don't think it's one of my favorite Christmas movies, but it's fun at least. I don't watch it every year, but... A lot of people love Elf, but yeah, so I'd never seen any behind the scenes for Elf. There was a lot. I just, yeah, there was a lot to learn. You get, you mainly uh, interview, get interviews with the uh, writer, a uh, little bit of John Favreau, or at least maybe yeah, just I always forget the that he team. made that movie. Yeah. So you get, uh, maybe, I think it's mainly the writer producer team that you get the interviews with, the, like the current interviews. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, some things I learned. Um, I did not know there was legal trouble between New Line Cinema and Rankin and Bass Productions, who did the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, really? Yeah, I had no idea. So, the, you know, part of what they wanted to do that the writers and producers, everyone had in mind was... Oh, we, yeah, yeah, the North Pole. We want to make the North Pole look and feel like, you know, this old stop-motion classic. And I originally they had permission and... They said sure, but I guess they made it too close, which I, I just don't get the I don't I don't for some reason I don't get it as far from the Rankin Bass production side of things. I'm like they're paying homage to you in a positive way. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like the perfect type of like yeah, it's fun to integrate these characters from these classic like the adults are like holy shit, that's that's the same guy that was in like the original movie, you know? Yeah, so they're really, <laughs> like they're pretty respectful. They make a yellow snow joke, but like it's not like it's raunchy or anything yeah. like it seems respectful and it's just like especially if like yeah yeah use the, like we agree that you can use this and then they use them in a positive way yeah and like yet, everything is positive have... they're 
I don't know. I, I, I'm like, why'd you get what? I don't understand. It didn't make any sense to me at all. I'm like, they reached an agreement eventually, but there were, they were almost in a way getting shut down or at least going to have to tone back the homage they're paying to the classic stop motion film. So I didn't know there was those legal struggles going on behind the scenes. Uh, I guess the script had been around since 1993, which I did not know. Uh, the company, so there was a company that owned the rights for a year and just never put into production. Uh, I guess so. I guess there was a year contract they had with the writer to make it. Uh, they weren't doing what the writer wanted to do. They like they were actually thinking about, all right, we'll get this movie started. We would love Chris Farley to be in this movie. Well, Could you imagine? So I mean, think of Elf the way you know it. Could you imagine Chris Farley in that role? Look, I can't imagine Chris Farley as Shrek, and I can't imagine Chris Farley as Elf. It would have been a different movie for sure. I think he would have pulled it off, but it would have been a different movie. Yeah. So that's the but, thing. Like everything that I see Chris Farley in, I can't think of him in like a family movie. Like I don't even know if the White Ninja is a family movie or if it's a raunchy comedy. I can't remember. Ninja. Beverly Hills Ninja. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay, Beverly. Well, he's the White Ninja. Is <laughs> literally white, what they call him in the movie. Funny. <laughs> but Beverly Hills Ninja. Okay. All right. But yeah, I remember anyway, that being so, well. What the writer did is like, uh, I don't know. I'm not really on the same page as you. So he 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 uh, waited out the contract. It expired after a year. Then he went looking for someone else. Eventually, land of New Line Cinema, who was mostly known for the Nightmare and Elm Street movies at the time. Nice. And I don't know. It's just about the right things coming together, kind of lightning in the bottle. Because eventually, they found a director in John Favreau, who really had, I think, one movie at the time in his credits. You know, he had not done Iron Man or Mandalorian, obviously, by then. Right. Because this came out in 03. But, uh, yeah, everything came together, and it was just a really fun behind-the-scenes look at this film that I just never thought I cared to watch, see the behind-the-scenes for. But, again, this company does a really good job at making everything interesting. They do clever things all throughout, like, you know, like the narr- with the narrator, like, he'll ask a question, and it'll be answered by, like, a clip from the movie you're watching the behind-the-scenes of. Things like that. So the next one was they did The Nightmare Before Christmas. And this is one, you know, between books and other behind the scenes, seen a lot of. So I'm like, well, what's going to be new for me for this? But you've got a lot of Tim Burton books. Yeah. But they they did a good job bringing new stuff to the table, which I thought was awesome. One thing I was very happy that they did is they put a lot of the focus around Henry Selleck, who directed the movie. Because although it's called Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, and he created the characters in the store overall storyline, he didn't direct it. But of course, Disney's going to use his name because at the time, his name was huge. Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, yeah. everybody knew Tim Burton. So they used his to advertise the movie. Right. But Tom Selleck really deserves a lot of credit because he did a fantastic job with this. A lot of good interviews with him, Danny Elfman, and... Coraline Thompson as well, who wrote the movie. Now, Coraline Thompson, she, they kind of go back a little bit uh, into some personal history is she uh, wrote Edward Scissorhands for Tim Burton. I guess they dated briefly, which I never knew. I guess, yeah, they had a little bit of a relationship, broke up. Then she and Danny Elfman start dating. And they talk about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things I didn't know about as far as like their relationships go. But they, yeah, I'm glad they, they focused around those three, though. And, I mean, Danny Elfman deserves a lot of credit, too, because he wrote all the songs in that movie. 
he and all the songs the, are fucking awesome. He was the singing voice of Jack Skellington, which I didn't know this. I guess he was originally the regular voice for Jack Skellington too. But upon watching it, they were like, it just doesn't fit. His voice just doesn't fit for the regular voice. We love him as the singing Jack Skellington. But so they brought on Chris uh, Sarandon to do the part of that, which we all know him as Prince Humperdinck in Princess Bride. Yeah. And there's some interviews with him, which is fun. Yeah, overall, uh, it was fun. Again, they brought new stuff to the table that I had never seen before. And this is another just kind of right people at the right time, lightning in a bottle. One thing I didn't know about, too, is this was produced up in San Francisco, so kind of away from Disney. So they could kind of do their own thing. Once in a while, they send in somebody to fly in and kind of check up on things. Mm -hmm. But Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, no interviews with Tim Burton, but that's fine. I mean, I've read his books, talking of him talking about it. So, again, this is just nice to have. It's nice to have, you know, interviews with Henry Selleck, Danny Elfman, and Caroline Thomas. You see them all, and I don't know. It just made for a really fun behind-the-scenes look. Both of them are great. Stream it on Netflix. Check it out. Nice. I need to check that out. What else you got? Well, the only other thing is less exciting is this week I sat down and Shiloh, Gavin, and I, because Gavin had never seen it, but we sat down and watched Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, cool. Which I had wanted to watch for a little bit, but fuck, they took it off of HBO, so we actually had to rent it. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was kind of a bummer because it would be the I'm third time. I'm surprised you haven't just it. bought that one yet. I'm I'm surprised I don't have it either. But you know, it's Maybe it's Santa still really good. It. I still like I said, it's the greatest hits movie. That's all it is. But it's a lot of fun still. Sweet and Gavin Santa. really enjoyed it. That's good. Okay, he hadn't seen it before. No, he hadn't. It's, it's, it still holds up though you like it i think so the only thing that i was kind of weary about was i remember seeing like a youtube breakdown of a certain scene how and they're like this scene's horrible and it's the scene where they're first talking to like the record producer at the table he's like there's just cuts every other second it's like cut 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 because it cuts from like everybody's face like super fast and i'm like yeah i guess that is a little jarring i didn't notice it the first time i watched it I mean, if you don't notice, you don't notice. No. But I was like, you know, I guess if you're a movie critiquer, I can see it. But I'm like, I don't fucking care. Because I know I know some critics are a little hard on this. They're like, ah, oh, it's just not that great of a movie. I'm like, I don't know. The fun's there. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that aren't that great that I fucking love. I mean, seeing this in, X, in XD theater, especially that end scene at the uh, AIDS festival. Hell yeah. Live aid. Or live aid. The AIDS <laughs> festival. That sounds completely different. <laughs> sounds yeah totally different anyway well that's fun yeah i've been meaning to go back and rewatch that one all right so my next one another 2020 film i'm trying to watch some new stuff this last week you know because there's still although we're not going to the theaters there's still some new stuff coming out streaming services so there is a new doc on hulu at the moment called skin a history of nudity in the movies directed by danny wolf so this is a, uh, I don't know, I think we've talked about him on the show before. Mr. Skin, who owns MrSkin.com. Mm-hmm. He was the producer behind this. If you don't know MrSkin.com, he, his website is basically, it's, it's known for celebrity nudity. Any actor or actress that's ever gotten naked in a TV show or movie is on his site as far as like the clippings and everything from that. It's not like a porn site, like Pornhub or just anything goes. It's straight up celebrity from movies nudity 
anyway, he uh, directed, or excuse me, produced this film called A History of Nudie in the Movies. And I got to say, overall, it was a very well-made documentary. Talking head doc, uh, but obviously it holds your interest because anytime, you know, anybody's talking, uh, it cuts to the clip that they're talking about. But it goes from the very beginning of film all the way through the present day. And I got to say, nudity in film goes back further than I thought. <laughs> I mean, basically, part of what, to get people interested in seeing any kind of motion picture, they straight up went to like, well, let's let's videotape a naked woman. She might just be standing there or like tending her garden, but hey, something. There she is. <laughs> there she is. It's like there's naked. two seconds of footage and now you're stuck here for the rest of the movie. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it was a really interesting, really well-made documentary. They uh, interview a lot of mainly actresses that were naked in films throughout the years. It's like, especially they, probably a few that were naked in the 60s, 70s. Um, but yeah, definitely have some actresses from the 80s and 90s. Uh, one thing I did not know. So I, I, I don't know who told me this originally. I always thought the movie Airplane was the first time you ever saw naked breasts in a movie. But apparently that was wrong. No, oh, have you ever seen Airplane? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, there's literally a part where everybody's freaking out on an airplane. Everyone's like running past the camera. The camera's just sitting still and everybody's running past it. Well, part of the panic is some gal runs into frame topless. She literally like runs, faces the camera. I mean, it's just a shot from neck down, shakes her titties, and then runs off. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think just made for last, but yeah. But I was told that that was the first time you ever saw naked breasts on the big screen, but apparently way wrong. Happened a lot earlier. Apparently. I don't know. I, but, I had no idea. I've never heard that about Airplane, though. And they talk about uh, an era, uh, you know, but this was like really before like porn took off in like the 70s. Uh, like they talk about like through the 60s, like they called them like nudie films. And it's not so much like porn, you know, it's like where there's any kind of man, woman or anything penetration. But... <laughs> Here's an example. They basically, you know, you have this like, like nudie colony basically, where you've got like women just naked, you know, by the pool. Then you got some over here playing topless uh, volleyball and just just a camera moving through. There's no plot. There's no story. It's just a camera moving through this colony. Like, oh, nakedness over there. Whoop, some over here, some over there. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Yeah, but you'd go see that in theaters because I mean, nothing else to see. I, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, there was a great interview. I don't remember who this guy was, but he talked about when he and his friend were like, you know, teenagers. They there was a drive-through playing one of these nudie films, and his friend had binoculars. So that Christmas, he has his parents for binoculars, and of course, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, for hunting, exploring, sure." Yeah, for bird watching. It's for bird watching. <laughs> <For> bird watching. <laughs> so yeah, well-made documentary. I enjoyed it. Um, it's just it was just a you know some subject that just hasn't been hit really. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's kind of interesting. Stream on Hulu. So to bounce off of that, I decided to watch one of the movies where they talked about some of these scenes. Jordan just wanted to watch a nudie film. <laughs> it's called your phone, Jordan. God. <laughs> so I picked one from the eighties, and I watched a movie called Private School. As far as uh topless scenes go this has two famous ones one is you've got actress betsy russell and she actually she gets interviewed a lot in this documentary it's where she famously rides topless on a horse okay then there's another scene in a lady's shower where 
just a bunch of college girls naked. Uh, but anyway, so Private School stars Phoebe Cates, Betsy Russell, Matthew Modine, which you know him as Private Joker from Full Metal Jacket. Oh, okay. It, it's a pretty ridiculous movie. It's about, uh, you got the, uh, what do you call it, a boarding school of girls, and then like not too far away, a boarding school of guys, and Phoebe Cates' character is dating one of the guys from the school, and uh, so... <laughs> There really is no, not a huge plot to this movie. It just I mean, it have, sounds like straight porn. You have these horny guys that want to check out women. So they, you see them in, like sneaking over to the all-girl college, peeping in through windows and things like that. At one point in the movie, they decide to dress as girls and go over there and just uh, try and fit in. It's just, it's ridiculous all around. Um, it's kind of funny. I've seen, I went from only seeing like one Phoebe Kate movie ever, which was Fast Times at Richmond High, to seeing like three in the last week. <laughs> Well, there you go. Pretty ridiculous film, but a lot of fun at the same time. At one point, you got this guy trying to seduce a gal. He's got four friends in the closet, one friend under a bed, one friend behind a curtain, another friend just hiding in like the corner, all trying to watch him seduce this girl. <laughs> Pretty ridiculous stuff. Uh, uh, sounds like a National Lampoon movie. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Sounds like um, Animal House for some reason. There, There's a lot of Animal House... Um, things about it um i forget the actor's name but the guy that plays mr hand in fast times at richmond high he's in it he's got a pretty funny part so you remember that part in mash where radar puts the microphone in the tent with margaret and uh, frank yeah there's something kind of like that with a car that's hilarious anyway this movie is very ridiculous but so ridiculous that i still enjoyed myself because it was just fun <laughs> so bad it was fun Okay, just like some weird. Oh yeah, like I really think you. Budget. I think you'd have. Yeah, I think you'd have. I think you'd enjoy it. It's so, again so bad. It's fun. I mean, I do. That's my favorite description of movies. Those are some of my favorite movies. Well, you might like this one then. Anyway, uh, I have now seen Private School from 1983, and I've now seen four movies with BB Cates. There you go. Nice. But yeah, good documentary. Uh, fun, cheesy 80s film to follow. Good stuff. All right. And that's my conclusion of that. Nice. I don't have any more movies. All right. I just watched two. Well, then let's move on here Plus and let's Batman. talk Batman. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fat All right. So today our main movie on tap is Fat Man, written and directed by Isham Nelms and Ian Nelms. Starring Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins, Marianne Jean Batiste, and Chance Hertzfield. So, overall premise of this movie is a crusty old Santa Claus is fighting to save his declining business. Meanwhile, Billy, a neglected yet very spoiled 12-year-old, hires a hitman to kill Santa after receiving a lump of coal in his stocking. So, as far as going in and general thoughts go, all or initial thoughts, I'll, I'll start off. So, it was probably a month ago or so ago when I saw the trailer for this, and I was sold. I liked the premise of it quite a bit, like the concept of it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm like, 
kid gets a, a coal in his stocking and wants to hire a hitman to kill Santa. He's just pissed off and wants to kill Santa. I'm like, okay, I, I could go along with this. I mean, the trailer looked fun. Um, overall, I enjoyed this movie. There is, I don't know, about halfway through it, I was thinking to myself, like, there's just something missing from this film, and I couldn't figure it out. But then I figured out, like, this movie is just taking itself way too seriously. This is supposed to be, should be more fun. I mean, it's a ridiculous premise, a fun premise, but ridiculous premise. It should just be taking itself less serious and just be having fun with it. Daniel's nodding. I think he agrees. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Overall, I like the tone of it. I mean, I, I think what the filmmakers were doing was was fine. Uh, but I guess overall, I just think they should have taken us more for, like us, the audience should have taken us more for a good, I don't know, sleigh ride? Yeah. More fun ride? Um. The actors were great. I enjoyed them. The ending itself was good. I, but I wanted more of that. The, the last act was good, but I wanted more of that throughout. You wanted that for the whole fucking movie. Oh, yeah. They should have taken more advantage of the R rating, too. Like, I think this could have been just a really good, fun slasher porn film. Yeah. Like, more, it should have been. More slasher porn, right? I mean, there's some good violence in it, but more. Um, overall... Already Chris movie revolved around Santa. Still a ballsy move by a studio to do, but I just I think the execution of it could have been a little better. Again, it was good, but I just wanted I, it took itself too seriously, and I just wanted to have more fun. I don't know. So, what are your thoughts? Okay. Well, my thoughts are this was ho ho horrible. Ho ho horrible. I so. was so like just like I said, like the same thing. It's like I saw the trailer. I'm like. Mel Gibson is Santa and this is going to be like him against like a hitman and this little fucking asshole of a kid hired somebody because he didn't get what he wanted for Christmas. That sounds fun. And the trailer makes it look like that's going to be the whole movie. When in fact, that's pretty much the last 20 minutes of the movie. But yeah, like my biggest problem is for like some of the ridiculous, like this is so unbelievably ridiculous but they play it straight throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Why? And that's just the wrong call. Yeah. Like, I don't totally. know what you thought you were doing. Like, I'm like, it's like you wanted Mel Gibson to be old man Logan. Some, right. But it's, but he's not. And this is a ridiculous premise. So it should be met with ridiculous action. And, and don't get us wrong. Mel Gibson is great in this movie. I thought the actors were fantastic. All of them. But like, I guess that my biggest problem is like, that's why it's so bad to me. It's like, that's not what I signed up for. Right. It's I a mean, fucking ridiculous I premise. Think I, I do think it dragged the first, at least the first act, maybe. Yeah, at least I the think, first, the first act's working. I, I don't know. It, it just could have, it took us up too seriously. I think we took, we took too long to get to the fun stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, like in some of the stuff, like there's a lot of unnecessary things in here. <laughs> I mean, the only few, like, the only thing that made me laugh throughout this entire movie was towards the beginning before all of the self-seriousness, self-seriousness wore thin was in this little shit who rightly named, because this kid can go fucking kill himself. Because <laughs> he tries to kill his grandma after she finds out that he fucking, like, stole well, let's, a ton let's, of Let's talk about, uh, are, are we going to talk spoilers yet, or... <laughs> I mean, fuck this movie. Yeah, let's just talk about all of it because you know, I don't think fun. anybody's going to watch it. And if they are, don't pay $7 for it. <laughs> the love of God, don't pay $7 for this movie. So, I, I, yeah, so let's talk about this kid. Spoiled-ass little rich kid who, not necessarily, like, super rich, like, doesn't live in a 
humongous mansion or nothing, but well off. Probably. Ser- servants in the house. You know, lives with his grandmother, servants in the house. And I, I got to feel, we have a, we're under the impression it's all her money. His dad's off. We don't even know better his mother, but his dad's off doing whatever. Yeah. Um, that's off in Maui or something. So yeah, his, he's abandoned by his parents, living with his grandmother. So you can see, kind of see a little bit where shitness is coming from. Apparently, a pretty smart kid, but oh my gosh, like just. <laughs> First I mean, off, my biggest problem. I don't care if he's smart. What did it? A fucking douchebag that he's just like. Yeah, I won first, like, best of show every single year. But you're just going to wear, like, he he's, in the, the first time you see him, he's wearing, like, six blue ribbons. And I'm like, you're a fucking asshole if you're going to go to a, a fucking showcase. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to wear all six of my ribbons. Look at me, I'm the best. And it cracks me up that he lost and then his ego couldn't take it. I mean, which leads me to the funniest moment of, I thought is after he got second place after winning six years in a row, he hires the hitman that we see throughout the movie. I like how the hitman has him in his phone, this little shit. Yeah. And he just, I, I rewatched the trailer and he, they have little turd in the trailer. That's pretty funny. But continue. But yeah, like, and he hires this hitman to kidnap the girl, take her into the basement, and then he threatens to electrocute her if she doesn't say that she, <laughs> like, had help and she doesn't deserve the medal so he can get first place. Like, one, just go fuck yourself right off the side of a fucking mountain. But, but that did make me laugh. Like, okay, this is the type of absurdity that we're in for. But then they just kept playing it straight and I just got tired of it because I'm like, I just want to see Santa fight a bunch of people. Part of me thought he was going to fight the U.S. government, which, okay, I guess that's something we should establish. This movie establishes that Santa Claus is real, his location is classified, and he works with the U.S. government. Well, his his business business is struggling. I like that. I do like the the reason why his business is struggling is he gets paid per present, and there just aren't that many good kids anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought that was hilarious. And they're so, so business is struggling. He's got to pay the bills, and so yeah, he makes a deal with the U.S. government. And I, I guess they become like some kind of military weapon makers of some kind. Well, okay, well, this is one thing that I'm like, okay, they went the wrong way with this too, personally, because I'm just like, okay, that would have been funny because they like, yeah. Because he's like, okay, yeah, because this actually, like, the first few minutes of the movie, they pass Christmas. And we're post-Christmas for most of the movie. You know, but he calls all his elves back, like, sorry to call you back so early, but the reason I did is because to get our subsidy to keep the doors open, I had to contract the U.S. government that instead of making toys, and I swear to God, I'm like, holy shit, they're going to be making guns. They're just going to manufacture firearms. Because I'm like, yeah, that would be hilarious and so weird. But they took it to like, they added like a couple degrees of separation. They're like, no, no, we're not going to just have elves make guns. They make like the the control panels for like fighter jets or something. Something. Something like that. So they're not like, I think it would have been funnier if they were making like full-blown guns because that would have made that last right, I, I guess i was under the impression they were gonna maybe start with this and then move on to other stuff but they'll be like making something for the government year round 
Well, that's what the government wanted, but he's like, no, this was a one-time deal. Oh, okay. But, you know, like, so I'm like, okay, no, they should have made guns. And again, that would have made the last, like, things would could have gotten so much crazier at the end if the elves had a bunch of firearms and stuff, you know? Right. I mean. But, again, like, it, like, it adds all these fun things, but it just plays it so stiff and serious that I'm like, I should be having fun because this is ridiculous, but I'm not because you're playing it like I'm watching a serious drama, but I shouldn't be. Right. No, I completely agree with that part. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, like you, like the last act is the closest we get to what I thought pretty much the bulk oh, of the movie would be. When Santa confronts Billy, that was great. All right. Well, that you said amazing. last act, sorry. No, no, no. I mean, that was amazing. Like that's what I wanted to see. For most of the movie, when, and I swear when, to God, I would, I just pray, like, there's no way this is going to happen. But in my ideal world, since they didn't pull it off, like, what they should be doing, if they, for some reason, get to make a sequel, especially if it's still with Mel Gibson, just make Santa start going and offing all the little, like, bad kids. Like, because that's what it seems like he was going to fucking kill Billy. Because <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, he's like, Billy's, like, yeah, the whole movie ends with Billy, his grandma finding out that somebody spent a shit ton of money because he hired a hitman to kill Santa. So his immediate response is, well, I got to kill grandma and starts dumping a ton of pills and milk. And that's when, you know, Santa arrives, drinks, he's like, fentanyl. Yeah, that would have did it. <laughs> but, oh, that had, me, that had me laughing. Which I do kind of like that they're, <laughs> at least they established that there is like, that there is limitations to his re like like his not his rechargeability but like his regeneration because he's like yeah i lived after i got shot several times and shot in the head but guess what i don't have a fucking eye anymore (laughs) you know but i don't know like i said like the last bit of it i'm like yeah fuck yeah like killer santa like yeah go kill all those nasty ass kids but yeah so i yeah I'm, I'm with you i wanted more of the last act spread out through the whole movie this is a movie again that just took itself too serious that didn't need to if this movie just should have been more of a fun ride i did enjoy quite a bit of it i and so i, I guess i'll list some of the positives i enjoyed mel gibson and his role quite a bit as a crusty old santa claus i like that um walton groggins or Goggins is great as I like his name, Skinny Man. Yeah, he was great in the role. Um, yeah, I mean, Marianne Jean Batiste, she was good as Santa's wife. They had some good moments. I'd like her at the very end. Yeah, and Chance Hertzfield as Billy was just great. I mean, what he played a spoiled little shit so good. I mean, you, you get pissed at this kid, like how he pushes around the maids of the house. I mean, that is kind of like, so that kind of goes along with like when he's going downstairs to threaten to torture that little girl. He's like, I want you out of the house now. And I'm, they all just leave. And I'm sure like in my head, I'm like, oh, they're all just thinking, thank fucking God we get to leave early because fuck this kid. Oh, gosh. Like, and nobody likes I him. guarantee all of them hate him. But yeah, it is hilarious though. He's, I mean, so fucking cocky that, oh, I'm going to win. I am going to win this. New, you know six seven years in a row is number one and then he's not number one and just hires a hitman to threaten the girl where she has to like lie and say she cheated and had adult help with her project 
so he could yeah get a letter just to get a letter oh you are actually after reconsideration you are actually the first place winner congratulations and be like wow kid santa should have killed you but gosh <laughs> uh i don't know this still has some fun moments but yeah the first two acts were just too serious i guess because then it, it does that third act gets fun for me where you've got um you know skinny man shooting up the uh the elf area um you got the elf jumping him and trying to scratch him and things like that um I don't know him throwing a pipe bomb and blowing up part of the Santa's workshop. There, there's some fun moments, but yeah, like there's like some good stuff in it. I just think they either they just didn't take it far enough, and they played it too straight. Way like too I, straight. Like I said, like I do like Mel Gibson in there, like as a grizzled Santa, he's a perfect person to play that role, you know. But again, like it, they should have taken it farther. They should have, like, especially in a movie like this. Again, like. I don't need all this dramatic acting. I want, I mean, like, I don't need it. And what I want is literally just like a little bit of story. But I mean, if I'm seeing Santa taking on Hitman, I don't need this story. I need John Wick, you know? Right, exactly. You know, so um, there's a lot more stuff they could have done with it. Obviously, I don't know if they, I don't know the budget of this. I can't imagine it was very much. Yeah, great concept. The execution was okay, but could have been better. It was okay at best. Like I said, like you thought overall you had a good time, it sounds like, but I just like Ish. completely let down and I thought it was horrible for what I thought I was getting to what I actually got. Yeah. It could have been something fun and special. Like I, if they had executed, I guess the way I thought they were going to, how the trailer kind of like makes you assume, I probably, it'd probably be a movie that I'd watch all the time. Cause the trailer it. sold me on more of a crazy action thriller Christmas movie. Yeah. Well, so, the yeah, art I, of cutting a trailer that people want to watch even bad movies. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess what are your, what's your overall final thoughts? And, and if you were to grade it out, what would you give it? Uh, honestly, it's an F for me. Straight like I F? just straight up F didn't, like I said, I was sold something different, which happens all the time, but they didn't take it far enough and they played it straight the entire time, which just made the movie for me just a drag. So like it wasn't like it wasn't mediocre. It was just bad in my book. So I'm giving it a straight F. Like it could have been fun. And then I probably would have given it like an A or B or purposely fun B movie, but it was just not. So Give it an F, like said, and I wouldn't like I had to spend since it's new, but it's still rentable. You have to spend like seven dollars to rent it. I would not recommend people pay seven dollars to rent this movie. Well, for me, yeah, again, uh, I, I enjoyed the premise quite a bit. I like the cast. It has fun moments. That last act, good. I wanted more, like that darkness when he's confronting Billy at the very end. I wanted more of that darkness all throughout. And yeah, again, I think they could have taken better, um, better advantage of the R rating, and it had a little bit more. Yeah, it you know, didn't feel like an R movie. Like maybe, no. I don't know. Could have taken a little bit more of the uh, R rating for sure, and uh, a little more slasher porn would have been kind of fun. But I don't know. Overall, I you know, I guess since I liked the last act so much, I'm going to give this a C plus. Okay. Still wait till it gets to uh you know wait till next year when it's three ninety nine to rent. 
Yeah, or maybe they have it at Redbox. I don't know. I haven't been to a Redbox in a while. So, but yeah, that's that's uh, let's wrap it up here. That is our review of Fat Man. All right. Well, Daniel, where can they find us? They can find us online on movies underscore brews. Let us know if you saw this movie, if you liked it, if you hated it. Just let us know. All right. Well, thank you everybody for downloading the show. If you like the podcast, share it with others. And we will talk to you next time on Movies and Brews. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.